Holy Gospel comes to us today from the book of Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Again, back in Mark chapter 1. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with, who, with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For those of us who are here on a fairly regular basis, you may be thinking, man, Jesus and the baptism all over again. I mean, Advent started with us and John the Baptist, I think three different times, amen? And now here we are. We cannot escape it in Lent either. Uh, but, but today we're going to take an angle. We're not going to focus so much on the baptism itself, but we're going to focus on this idea that the Holy Spirit, this other part of our Holy Trinity, thrusting Jesus out into the wilderness. I think for a lot of us, when we think of wilderness, oftentimes when we uh, look at Scripture or even apply it into our own lives, the wilderness seems to be a place with a negative connotation, a place with uh, chaos and tribulation, so to speak. And in many ways, there is truth to that. But I'm going to start this morning by adding to the caveat that the wilderness is actually the place where faith comes to its fullness. And I ask us to flip that coin when we think of the wilderness and what it means for us and our own journeys in the wilderness I want us to flip that coin over and remember that faith, or the wilderness, is where faith comes to its fullness. Now the wilderness is a journey that, uh, that seems to be a part of many of our faithful characters throughout Scripture. And the wilderness is, of course, in this space, uh, we, can, we can go back into the, uh, the moment in which the Israels are set free from their captivity in Egypt and and just this week, as, uh, as at home we're doing our read through the Bible daily readings, just this past week, uh, our daughters, they, they found this kind of rather humorous moment in the wilderness where the Israelites, they now are setting up camp outside of Mount Sinai, and Moses is called up onto Mount Sinai, in, in which he is going to come face to face with God again, and God is going to give him the gift of the law. And in the meantime... What are the Israelites doing? They're down at the base of the mountain, now growing incredibly anxious and fearful because their leader Moses has apparently abandoned them. Amen? He's apparently abandoned them. Uh, let's, let's just forget about the fact that he did go up on the mountain. There's a whole lot of stuff going on up there. Clouds, lightning, whatever it is that, that signifies that something is going on. But despite everything that is happening up there, down below, the Israelites are already entering into this journey of fear and anxiety. And they do what humanity does best. When we believe that God has abandoned us, what do we do? 
Well, we're just going to create our own gods, amen? And there's this humorous moment that my daughter's picked up on while we're reading this. There is Aaron, Moses' brother. There he is. He's now left in charge. And they're now deciding that we need to worship something. And so they come together and they're placing gold into the smelter. And what are they going to do? They're going to create this golden calf. And later on in the story, as Moses returns from Sinai, he now has the covenant. He now has the tablets in which God has given them the law. He looks at Aaron and he says, what have you done? And Aaron's response, it's so childishly beautiful. Well, I, I, I don't know, Moses, I, I threw gold in and out popped a calf. Because that's exactly how that works, amen? You just throw gold in and what comes out is an idol, right? So oftentimes in our lives, though, I think we, I, I think we do in a uh, philosophical way. We throw our stuff in and out pops an idol, amen? So in the wilderness... Chaos and tribulation certainly happens. But again, as I said, it's also where faithfulness, where faith comes to its fullness. Again, we hear of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, as we read in Mark, he is the character that is going to come out of the wilderness. And what does he bring out of the wilderness? Or what does he bring to the people of Israel as he comes out of the wilderness? He brings the proclamation of the one who is to come. Jesus now is thrust into the wilderness. And what is Jesus going to face? He's going to face and rely on the words that were proclaimed to him moments before, while he was coming up out of the waters of baptism, in which Jesus, or in which God declares over Jesus, This is my Son, the Beloved. When we go back to where the wilderness truly began, though, We go back to Adam and Eve in that garden. You see, what's about to happen, what's happening in our gospel lesson this morning is the bookend to where everything fell apart. It's the bookend to the first Adam, in which Adam and Eve, there in the garden, there the serpent, uh, Satan shows up, and and what does he do? He, He does what the devil comes to do. He tempts them. I'm going to pause at this statement here. He tempts them. I'm going to pause there because I found myself in an interesting conversation with someone this week, sitting in jail, and they asked the question, Pastor, do you believe God tests? And I said, you know, I used to really struggle with a God that tests us. In fact, I used to come to my own senses and just say, I really struggle. I I, I struggle to believe a God that puts us to the test. But that's also when I was naive and didn't actually read Scripture, in which all throughout the narrative of our faith journey, yes, there there are tests in our journey in life. But I also want to remember that there's a difference between testing and temptation, because so often in our lives we make those two words synonymous. That though I may be, or though I may be tested, I'm also being tempted. And let's pause there because that is not the same thing. Adam and Eve, they had this moment, and the only command that God truly gave them, besides uh, flourish and uh, populate and take dominion over the created things, and, and Adam is given the task of 
co-creating, so to speak, getting to name the creatures. It's this beautiful image of where God and his creation made sense. And the only specific thing that God tells them not to do is stay away from that tree. Stay away from that fruit. Some of us can theologically say they're now being tested. Well, you can go there. But here's where the temptation comes. The serpent comes in, and what does he say? What does he ask? Did God really say? Did God really surely mean that you would die? And what did they do? I, I don't know how to make a biting sound right, for you. I, I, they bit the fruit. And their eyes are opened to what is good, what is bad, what is evil, and what is not. To be tested. Testing in Scripture is where the promises, the proclaimed words of God are heard. And it's, it's the place where, not only that, it's where God's word is confirmed. Being tempted, temptation on the other hand, is where Satan creates and whispers doubt upon that proclamation. And that is where we turn ourselves into something else. So I'm going to say that again. Where we are tested in our faith, the test of the faith is where God's proclamation to us is confirmed. Where the temptation, on the other hand, is where the, the, the proclamation of God is then questioned. So maybe we find ourselves asking ourselves time and again, are we being tested or are we being tempted? So back into our gospel lesson this morning, Jesus is now in the wilderness. Adam, the original creation, has failed. And Christ, on the other hand, will not. Mark doesn't go into any of the details of what happens in that wilderness. But what Mark does do is he wants us to understand that immediately Christ is there, immediately Christ is being tested, and then he's being tempted in the wilderness. And what is the caveat to that? The angels come and wait on him. It's fascinating in the times we live in, so oftentimes uh, we, we find ourselves kind of synonymously thinking that the wilderness in the world are things like hitting rock bottom. The wilderness in the world is like maybe being imprisoned itself. Well, uh, about a year ago, I had the gift of being invited to preach out at the men's prison at St. Dismas in Sioux Falls. It was an absolute joy. Uh, Pastor Jeff Backer, he's been with us here, the, the head of St. Dismas, and, and uh, we, we had our candidacy retreat at the Senate office, and he said, hey, Craig, you're already going to be here. Do you want to come preach in the prison? I was like... Yeah, absolutely. If you want to know what the wilderness feels like, the wilderness is when you walk in those doors, you empty your pockets, all of that stuff is locked away, and the, and the bars clank shut behind you. Amen? You aren't getting out, even if you're the volunteer. You aren't getting out until they say that you can get, and that even you, the volunteer, get to leave. I mean, there's a security check just to leave as a volunteer, because they want to make sure you're not an inmate, okay? There's a very serious process with that if you aren't tracking with me. If you want to feel like, what, or if you want to have an idea of what the wilderness is like, it's you walk in those doors, you hear the bars clank behind you, and you look at your friend, Pastor Jeff, and you say, so what do we do now? He goes, now we go give him the gospel. We went upstairs that night, and 
went into the old theater there in the prison. It's been remodeled a couple times, and right now there's beautiful stained glass in the windows. And it was standing room only that night. A third of the prison, it seemed like, was right there in worship. And I had the gift to preach. We got to preach, and we got to do communion together, and we even got to baptize a gentleman who will spend the rest of his life in prison for murdering three people. Afterwards, when I, uh, when I walked up to him, I said, so what led, you to, uh, what led you to the font tonight? He said, over and over again, I heard Jeff talking about being made clean. He said, over and over again, I heard these promises that, uh, that in all of the wilderness and the chaos I've lived in my life, that there is actually a place for me at the table too, that I actually have that opportunity to be forgiven. I have that opportunity to be called a child of God. And I guess the Spirit led me there. I'll never forget those words. What I'll also never forget is when I was preaching, very boisterously on many occasions, I heard a parishioner in the, in the prison say, Amen! Right? Amen! It's fascinating how back at home in the Lutheran church, I have to my face had a couple people ask me, Pastor, why do you say amen when you're preaching? Are you just looking for self-affirmation? You're chuckling, you get it, amen? Yeah, I just said it again. Do we know what we're declaring when we say amen? This is most certainly true. Why is it that when we proclaim the gospel in the wilderness of the penitentiary, it's so easy for us to boldly declare, that is most certainly true. This is most certainly true. But then we come into the space here, and with anxiety and trepidation, how dare we ever declare something to be most certainly true? Dare I say, maybe we're the ones in the wilderness. And maybe worship in the prison is where freedom is really happening. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as we gather in the space, as our Lenten journey begins, we certainly have tests in our life. And those tests are where we get, to, uh, we get to hear that proclamation. We have those promises that God has given us along the way in our faith journey. And we have those moments in which those, uh, those promises made by Christ are absolutely confirmed in our life. And we find strength in those words. We find strength and hope in those promises. And we cling to them. We cling to them because just as often as the testing happens, just as often as we cling to those promising words, there is the serpent whispering in our ears, did God really say that to you? Test it. Pull out your Ten Commandments and try it time and again. As we always talk about in adult ed, I like one-word answers. The understanding or the definition of faith is what? Trust. The definition of sin is what? Doubt. If we look at the first commandment, thou shall have no other gods, how is the sin of the first commandment expressed? Well, we build our idols, right? Well, I just tossed the gold in, Moses, and out popped the idol. When we sin in that test of the first commandment, it is us expressing our doubt that God truly has hold in our life. 
You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Well, how often do we slip that out, right? And why is that? Because it's in our doubt that God's name, his holiness and almightiness of his name, actually has authority on my life, and that his authority actually matters to the point where I'm going to honor and absolutely adore that name and protect that name to keep it sacred and holy. But instead, oftentimes in our lives, the serpent has worn us down, he has whispered in our ear, did God really say that his name really matters to you? And it slips out time and again. Honor your father and mother. That's a tough one. That's a fun one with confirmation kids. Amen? Honor your father and mother. Why? What is the sin? It's expressed with the question, did my parents really matter? Did what they say actually have weight in my life? Is their advice really actually important for me? Infidelity. Covetousness. Did God really give me what I needed? Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are in Lent. Life is a test. But are you hearing the promises and clinging to those promises? Or are we hearing the doubts and dwelling with the doubts? Thanks be to God.